Turn in your Bible with me to 2 Kings chapter 12 as we continue to look at the um, southern tribe at this time, which, if you'll remember with me, the southern tribe is made up just of Judah. Northern tribe, of course, is the other 11 tribes. They're worshiping golden calves. We've seen unholy alliances begin um, that the southern tribe begins to, for peace sake and for brotherhood's sake, they want to come and ignore the golden calves and be part of the northern tribe so that all of them can be united again. And we see this type of stuff in the church today where people give up doctrine and properly following God just to be at peace with each other. And they say, well, we can, but listen, the Bible says, how can two walk together unless they agree? How can two walk together unless they agree? Listen, why is that? Because unless you confess, which means to agree with God and say the same thing, you can't walk with him. So how can you agree to walk with another person that doesn't agree with what you believe about God or what God is teaching you? Very dangerous to just walk with somebody and say, we're yoked together and they don't agree with God. That's a very dangerous thing because the salvation is agreeing with God. Salvation is saying the same thing that God says about life and godliness. Salvation is saying the same thing that God says about righteousness and about Jesus being Lord and that God raised him from the dead. That's salvation. You agree with God, and, and anytime you disagree with God, guess who's wrong? You. God is never wrong. So how can two walk together unless they agree? You can't. As soon as you don't agree with God, you begin to err. You begin to turn aside. So as we look, we're looking at the southern tribe. And, if, and let me just give you some background because it really helps to have the background to know that God had promised uh, David that he would always have an heir on the throne and that from his loins the Messiah would come, which is always and forever. Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. He's going to sit on the throne uh, forever. He's going to rule in Jerusalem uh, literally for a thousand years. We're going to see that soon. And um, so the devil wants to destroy that. If he can get rid of David's lineage, then God's a liar. God's not really God. And so what happens is, is that God calls Jehu, which Jehu was really a nobody and God knew what he was going to do, that he was going to kill everybody. And he raised Jehu up to kill um, the northern kingdom's king. Um, his name was Joram. He kills Joram. And then Azariah was king in the southern tribes. And Azariah just happened to be hanging out with Joram because he was trying to be at peace even though God didn't tell him to. And so Jehu kills Azariah also. So now both kings, northern tribe and the southern tribe, are dead. And so what happens? Athaliah, Azariah's mom, she says, oh, this is my chance. I can be king. I can be queen. I can rule. I can have this power. So she rises up and kills the rest of Azariah's brothers and the heirs to the throne. And she thinks she's killed them all. But Jehoiada hit a one-year-old boy, the only boy, Joash, in the temple. 
Why would you hide the heir to the throne in the temple? Because if you're worshiping Baal, you ain't going to God's temple. So he knows it's the safest place to hide the heir apparent. The only child left in David's throne that's going to be king is in the temple of God because Baal worshipers never go there. Isn't that amazing how Christ is hidden in the word of God because people who are living in the word, their world never go to the word of God. But he says, if you'll turn at my rebuke, I will pour my spirit out upon you. I'll make my word known to you. But we never go there because we're living in the world like bell worshipers. We're chasing everything except for God. So we're not looking for him where he can be found. But he's always in his temple. He's always in his throne room. He never leaves there. I talked with him all day today. I visited him this morning for a long time. There he was. I was like, hey, God, how you doing? I'm, I'm, I'm not being weird on you. I'm just saying I was praying. And I knew he was there. And I knew I could cast my care upon him. I knew I could give him my burdens. I knew I could intercede for people because I know he's an ever-present help in time of need. But do you know that? Is your faith real like that? Will you stop everything and sit down and pray with God because you know that's the only one that can help you? Or do you pick up your phone and you call and you pick up your and you run and you tell your parents or you run and you tell your you fill in the blank, your boss, you fill in the blank. Where does your help come from? Where are you getting your wisdom, understanding, and knowledge? Where are you getting your skills for life? From somebody teaching you in the world? That's underneath the sway of the wicked one? That are bell worshiping? That they're not visiting the temple? Is that where you get life and godliness from? You can't get it there. So you can easily hide Jesus in the church. You can hide him in your heart. But you got to let him out. So that's what happens. She kills. She rules for six years the number of men. Six. She rules for six years the number of men while the temple is being destroyed. Then what happens, Greg? Well, Jehoiada, and this is right there in those, those lines there. The priest, he's the high priest. Don't, don't miss this. He's the high priest. Who's our high priest? Let me tell you, Bereans. Jesus the Christ. He's the high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. He's our high priest. And that's where we're hidden at. I gotta have glasses. I'm sorry. I'm looking at these paperwork going, oh my goodness, I can't see them. So listen, Jehu means, and he's the one that started this, he killed all the kings, and he allowed Athaliah, <laughs> which which Athaliah is um, Ahab and Jezebel's daughter. Ahab and Jezebel just happened to be the uh, the most wicked king and, and queen ever of uh, the northern tribe. Athaliah means afflicted of the Lord. Or listen to this, Yah has constrained. Because see, that's what's going on with this spirit in the world that's trying to kill the death spirit. Yah, Yahweh, restrains it and won't allow it. And the church is the restraining factor in the world today. And God's going to take the church home, and all hell is literally going to break out on this planet. Because the restrainer, God is going to stop restraining death culture, and he's allowing it to come upon the culture. Because the culture said no to him, and the culture is tearing down his temple, and the culture is saying, I don't want none of you, God. All of this is in the scriptures. Listen to me. I'm not making none of this up. It fits in the scriptures. The New Testament is hidden in the Old Testament. Carefully concealed for those who will draw near to God 
And he says, if you'll turn at my rebuke, I will pour my spirit out upon you. I'll make my word known to you. So Joash means given of the Lord. Same thing. We talked about this last week. I like to be tedious. I like to repeat it. Who was given to us? The only son. There's only one son left right here, right now, in this chapter 12. Joash, he's hidden in the temple. And God gives us his only son, Jesus. Joash means given of the Lord. He's the type of Christ here. And Jehoiada, the priest, the high priest, who's hiding him and protecting him and taking care of him, his name means Jehovah Knows. See, God knows everything. So you might as well come and agree with him. You might as well come and confess to him. You might as well come and lay your life before him. He already knows. And the Bible says here that Joash, as king, did great. Until he did what? He stopped listening to Jehoiada. He stopped listening to the high priest. Listen, your life, if you listen to the high priest, Jesus, and his instruction, you're going to do great. Doesn't mean you're not going to be sick. Doesn't mean you're not going to be hurt. Doesn't mean you won't suffer. Doesn't mean you won't have pain. But if you listen to his instruction, you're going to be okay. You're going to cross the finish line. You're going to get a new body. You're going to make it to heaven. But if you cease listening to instruction, my son, you will go astray. You will walk away from knowledge. You will walk, and that's the very thing we need to be growing in, the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Who is he? What's he doing? Why would he love me? Why would he be concerned? I need to draw near and find this out. Why would he do this? Why would he die for me? Doesn't that seem to interest us at all? How can we say, I have salvation now, and then go, ah, it's no big deal, and become so complacent about it that we would have contempt for the Lord when he tries to stop us and constrain us from doing things that will kill us. And we get mad at God. Why won't you let me have that, God? And then we begin to blame him because we cease listening to what he's doing in our life. Jehoiada instructed Joash, and Joash did good, because why? He brought him out of the temple at seven. Get this now. He was one who went in there. Six years he was in there. Number of men, and he came out in the seventh year. And he sat on the throne. And he ruled for 40 years, which is the number of judgment. And there's some other numbers here that are pretty amazing, because at 20, after 23 years, the temple was still not repaired um, verse 6 so I think that Joash was 30 years old and the temple was still not repaired that's just my opinion and I believe that Jesus was 30 years old because that's how old you have to be in order to become a priest so all this is painted in here in an amazing way but let me show you what did he do he did everything right except for what Verse 3, the high places were not taken away. The people still sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. Very important thing, because this is what's going on right now in our Laodicean church, is that we're still, we're, we're, we're supposed to worship the Lord God, and Him only shall we serve. We're supposed to be uh, going to the place that He sets out for us, 
In other words, he provides a body of Christ for people to fellowship in. He provides a place to be equipped. He provides a place physically for help. And we're supposed to be involved in that as a body of believers, as a family, as the people that are using our gifts and talents and abilities to go out and spread the gospel. And we ignore it. We run from it. We walk away from it. We do what we want to do. And those are the high places. We go out and chase higher education, better jobs, more money. We go out and chase all the things of this world instead of seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and know that all these other things will be added to us. We seek everything else. We chase everything else. We give our heart to everything else wholeheartedly, but not to God. But why is that important about the high places? They were not taken down. Look at Deuteronomy. Let's just go there. Deuteronomy um, 12. We're not going to get much done in this uh, chapter. I want to. We'll do a little bit. Deuteronomy 12, though. Um, of course, re-giving of the law the second time. They're reminding them of it, being tedious, if you would. And then they're beginning this relationship again in the wilderness with God. And in 12, uh, Moses tells them this. These are the statutes and judgments which you shall be careful to observe. Obey is the word. That's what it means. I don't know if it's in the King James. Is it in the King James as obey or observe? 12.1 of Deuteronomy. These are the statutes and judgments which you shall be careful to observe in the land which the Lord God of your fathers is giving you to possess all the days that you live on the earth. Of course, talking about crossing over the Jordan and going to the land of Canaan. You shall utterly, this is what you're supposed to do when you enter in. To you and I, it's salvation. When we enter in, what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to act? How does sanctification look? How do we clean up the things around us? You shall utterly destroy all the places where the nations which you shall dispossess serve their gods. Well, what are those places, Greg? On the high mountains and on the hills and under every green tree, and you shall destroy their altars, break their sacred pillars, burn their wooden images with fire. You shall cut down the carved images of their gods and destroy their names from that place. You shall not worship the Lord your God with such things. Now, this is pretty emphatic. This is pretty deliberate. This is pretty instructive, and it's not hard to understand. And yet the church today goes to church on Sunday, and they rush back out in the world to worship everything the world is worshiping. The church today, and I'm not picking on anybody. Maybe I'm talking about people in Texas. We look just like the world. We dress like the world. We act like the world. We've turned our Christian music into rock concerts just like the world. We've taken our preachers and we put them up in front of people and they do more about how to live the best life now and how to get the most out of now than to think about putting any riches in heaven, laying up riches in heaven. We live a life just like the culture instead of tearing down their high places. In fact, we send our children to their school so they can indoctrinate them with their lies and demonic things about evolution and, and, and same-sex marriage and, and, and bad science and lying everything. And 
And then we say, look at me, Lord, here I am to serve you. And this is what happened. That's why I'm telling you, this is what happened to this nation. When they went into the land that God gave them, he gave them houses already built, gardens already planted. He waited till they got there. So instead of, he could have just killed them all. He could have just zapped them all like he did with Sodom and Gomorrah and said, now I'm going to build you a new house. But he gave them, he dispossessed them. He gave them houses and lands and properties and he divided it according to the size of their tribes. And he gave them all these things that the first generation that was 40 years in the wilderness and died, they were afraid to get. You're talking about grapes that it took two guys to carry on a stick, one cluster, and God gave it to them. Look at the riches. Look at the fruit. Look at everything he provided, a land flowing with milk and honey. And they go in, and they ignore him, and they begin to do what they want to do. And they were supposed to destroy it, and it's with our lives. We're supposed to begin to say, okay, Holy Spirit, now what? I want to listen to instruction. I want to know what I need to get out of my life. The first thing I need to do is clean up my house. I need to start getting stuff out. I'm going to start reading my Bible. And as I read my Bible, it's going, to, it's going to begin to give me wisdom, understanding, and discernment because I'm listening with the intent to obey so that I can begin to go out by the power of the Holy Spirit and know what I should touch and what I shouldn't touch, what's clean and what's unclean, how to be a witness and give testimony and tear down the high places. Tear them down with, with power. What does it say in, oh my goodness, I know this verse. 2 Corinthians 10, 3, for the weapons of our warfare are not, oh, uh, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our, war, of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the destruction of strongholds I'll get there for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in God for the pulling down casting down of strongholds casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God remember our verse our memory verse is the same thing that Jehoiada when Jehoiada was instructing Joash he stayed right there but you know what happened as soon as Jehoiada dies he ceased listening to instruction and he walked away from the knowledge of God. He strayed from it. But right here, we're casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought captive into the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when our obedience is fulfilled. It's, a, it's, it's a, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through uh, 6. It's one of our memory verses that I should have known and I didn't get it. But listen to me. He tells us to tear this stuff down. Stop teaching our desires that we can keep chasing it. Start dealing with it in a way that you know that you're being purified because even if you have to confess it a thousand times a day, even if you have to keep taking that thought captive and confessing it as not agreeing with God, that it's evil, you start to grab it, you start to take it, you start to beat it into subjection. You cast it down until your obedience is fulfilled. Because what is salvation? It's obedience. Christ gave us his perfect obedience, his perfect righteousness. And so you sometimes, it's a work, you'll be wore out. Because you have to take the thoughts captive. But the word of God, the truth of God, the knowledge of God can destroy any of those things. Deeply entrenched sin 
strongholds, tombs. It doesn't matter what the devil brings. It doesn't matter where you've been. The knowledge of God and the relationship with God and the blood of Jesus can destroy it. And that's what he told them to do when they go into the land. Be sure that you destroy these things. You shall not worship. Bow down to the Lord your God with such things. And what does Jehoiada do? What does Jehoiada do? And Joash, they both allow the people to keep worshiping the same way they've been doing for six years underneath Athaliah. Remember, Athaliah killed all the sons that were supposed to be in Joash's hiding in the temple. And Athaliah built the, 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 the high places higher. Worship over here, worship over here. That's why he was safe in the temple. Nobody's going to the temple. Nobody mistakenly went in the temple and went, Hey, who's the little dude in the diapers? He's running around in there with Jehoiada. Nobody's seen no kid in there. Nobody's seen anybody because nobody went to the temple. They all chased the high places. And they should have been looking for God. They should have been looking for a king. We should have been looking for righteousness. Verse 5, 12, Deuteronomy. But you shall seek the place where the Lord your God chooses out of all your tribes to put his name, his character, his nature, his will, his authority for his dwelling place. And there you shall go. Listen, I, that's why I say little churches on every corner. That's great. We don't need big churches where the birds of the air come and camp out. Little churches on every corner. And God will tell you where to go. And you go get involved in that fellowship. Now, of course, when they got into the land, there was also Jerusalem. And three times a year, all the adult males had to appear there. That was the place that he put his presence but his name and his authority were in these other places that they would build temples. If there were 10 adult males, they would build a synagogue so that everybody could go there and hear from God. If not, they would go someplace else and everybody would join together to hear what God's word said. But they wanted to hear. And now they're completely divorcing God. They've married gold calves. They're adopting the Baals. They're listening to Ahab and Jezebel. They're listening to Athaliah. And not seeking the face of God. Uh, verse 6. There you shall take your burnt offerings. Listen, burnt offering is full dedication. If you look at Leviticus chapter 1, the burnt offering was Jesus. He fully consecrated himself. He fully gave everything. God got everything from the burnt offering. It would, you put the offering in and poof, burn it up. It was all God's. That's the first offering in Leviticus. Second one was the bread offering. A recipe for bread. Jesus again. Third one, peace offering. Jesus again. He is our peace. He restores our fellowship. And then there's the trespass and the sin offering. He's talking about these. Anyway, there's a lot of offerings. There's a lot of offerings. And we're going to get into this. We'll get into it deeper next week. Because he speaks of these same things again in chapter 12 of 2 Kings. So your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, your heave offerings of your hand, your vowed offerings, your free will offerings, and the firstborn of your herds and your flocks, and there you shall eat before the Lord your God, and you shall rejoice in all to which you have put your hand and your household, you and your household, in which the Lord your God has blessed you. You shall not at all do as we are doing here today. You hear that? 
Moses said, hey, you shall not at all do as we are all doing here today. Well, how's, well how are they doing? That's the question I ask. I got a line drawn there, then I go, oh, read the next line. Every man doing whatever is right in his own eyes. Think about that for a minute. Every man divided. Every man separated. Every man doing what is right in their own eyes instead of what God's word says. Instead of what his instruction tells you. But we make it up our own way. We do our own thing. And that's what they were doing. In the wilderness. Hey, Spencer, go, go over there and quit doing that. You're interrupting the word of God and that is wrong. Okay? For as yet you have not come to the rest and the inheritance which the Lord your God is giving you. Same thing with us, guys, in sanctification. Come to salvation positionally, practically, and then glorification. We have not come to the end of the finish line. We are not home yet. We are not home yet. Do not be deceived. We are not home yet. There's a race going on. You have to finish the race. You have to run it to win. Don't be deceived out of your salvation. Don't be deceived. But when you cross over the Jordan and dwell in the land which the Lord your God has given you to inherit, notice it's a gift, and he gives you rest from all your enemies round about. When, hey, listen, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes all of his enemies to be at peace with him. It's just that simple. Your enemies can't do nothing to you. Your enemies are, are neutralized by God. Now all you got to worry about is your own flesh and disobedience and ceasing to listen to the instruction and then you go astray and you think you're okay because it's your own self-deception that leads you away. He makes all of your enemies to be at peace with you so that you dwell safely. That's salvation. Then there will be the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide, there you shall bring all that I command you, your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, your heave offerings of your hand. Notice the heave offering is from your hand. It's from your hand. And all your choice offerings which you vow to the Lord, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God, you and your sons and your daughters, your male and female servants, and the Levite who is within your gates, since he has no portion nor inheritance with you, take heed to yourself that you do not offer your burnt offerings in every place that you see. Listen to me. Don't take your heart every place you see. You have to be discerning with the spirits. We're going to talk about this Sunday. 1 John chapter 4. You have to test the spirits. You can't just jump in every fellowship and just start doing everything and do whatever you want. You cannot take it every place you see, but in the place which the Lord chooses, in one of your tribes, there you shall offer your burnt offerings, and there you shall do all that I commanded you. Then he goes on to talk about what you can do inside the gates. If you're in the right place, you can do all your heart desires if you're living in Christ and doing what he's called you to do. All your heart desires, but your heart actually desires to do the will of God. Let's look back, 2 Kings chapter 12, a little bit more, and we will close up. We're not going to get a lot done, but we want to see uh, Jehoiada. 
instructing Joash. But Joash and Jehoiada too, they, they, they are the southern the leaders in the southern tribe. He's the high priest in the temple. They have Jerusalem there where God's presence is at. And Joash, even though raised right and protected, he becomes the king. And he doesn't take down the high places because he wants the people to be happy. I think that's what it says right there. If you see in verse 2, it says he did everything that was right in the sight of the Lord, except he didn't remove the high places because the people still sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. Listen, because what happened? Athaliah, six years on the throne, allowed them to do that. They're in the habit of doing that, and they're not dealing with their own flesh. And the king and the, and the high priest should have been saying to them, no, Athaliah was wrong. We're going to pull away from that lie. We're not going to be going to the high places. God instructed us that that's not where we worship at. We're going to get the cart back right, and then we'll start moving forward. But first, we're going to do what? See, now they see what they need to do. We're going to get the temple rebuilt. We're going to work on the temple. Now, keep an eye on this analogy because they're talking about a physical building, but we literally are the temple of God. And we have to allow the high priest and the king, Jesus, to work on our hearts. And he sent the Holy Spirit and his instruction to do it. So pay attention because if you don't, you'll be in religion. You'll be doing it with money and you'll be doing it unfaithfully by doing it your own way because watch what happens when Joash, he sees it, he says it, and Joash the priest, verse 4, said to the priest, All the money of the dedicated gifts that are brought into the house of the Lord. Now think about it. All of his life, where has he been? Until he becomes king, he's been in the temple. So he knows the condition of the temple. He knows what it looks like. He knows what's wrong with it. And if you take that as a picture of Christ, who knows everything, See, think about it. If you live seven years in that temple, you should know a lot about it. And Jehoiada's leading you around. He's showing you all the brazen altar, all the things that are going on. Anyway, watch. He said, take the dedicated gifts that are brought into the house of the Lord. Now, I know the King James reads a lot different. Each man's census money, each man's assessment money, and all the money that a man purposes in his heart to bring into the house of the Lord, let the priests take it themselves, each from his associates his constituency and let them repair the damages of the temple wherever any dilapidation any breach is found right so he gives this instruction Joash is given instruction remember Joash means given by the Lord Jehoiada means Jehovah knows they know what condition the temple's in they've been in there they've been hiding away they've been spending the bulk of their time in the temple there in Jerusalem because Adonai has been on the throne and now he says wait a minute I'm king we have to rebuild this temple we have to fix the breaches so take the offerings we just read about some offerings we just read about a bunch of offerings and they're dedicated offerings that we're going to see here the census and the assessment is a couple dedicated things that we'll read about in a minute but first I want you to see why the temple was dilapidated. Um, and let's go over to Second Chronicles 24. If you remember when we started this, First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles in the Jewish scrolls are all one book. 
And we broke them down into four in the Bible, which is a good thing because now we have 66 books by 40 authors when you count them, where we would have had 63 less, 63, um, and only one book for these four. And some people will even attack that number because of that and go, well, it's supposed to be. No, we're, we're, not, we're not doing it the way the Jewish people did it. We're doing it the way Jesus did it. And he gave people the desire to split them into 66 books. Uh, they were bad examples of following God. Jesus was a perfect example. He tells you that in John 15:1, when he said he is the true vine and his father is the vine dresser. So 24.1, let's just read it again. It's the same thing. It gives you a whole lot of new information. Uh, 2 Chronicles 24.1. Joash was seven years old when he became king. Uh, that's a number of perfection or completion. And he reigned 40 years in Jerusalem. Uh, 40 is the number of judgment. Teaching peace is Jerusalem. His mother's name was Zibiah. Her name means Roe. Beersheba, she was from Beersheba. You guys remember that? You just read through it in Genesis. Abraham named a well Beersheba. The people of Egypt covered it back in. And then Isaac named a well Beersheba. It means well of an oath, a well of sevens, a well of seven oaths, a perfect oath. That's where she's from, his mom. Joash did what was right in the sight of the Lord all the days of Jehoiada the priest, who's the high priest, even though it doesn't say that. And Jehoiada took two wives for him, and he had sons and daughters. Notice this. I know I'm teaching in a lot of places, but we want to understand that the Bible actually is a commentary to the Bible. And it gives us a whole lot more instruction in how we should be living. So you've got the last son of David. The dynasty's been destroyed. It's been attacked. Athaliah kills a bunch of the kids. And now it's, it's important to rebuild this, to start over and make sure it's pure. Notice what's going on. Jehoiada even picked the two wives. Because David and Solomon got in bad trouble when they were picking wives. And, and Solomon had a three, 300 wives and 700 concubines. You know why? You know why? The people don't know why. They go, because you like women. No, because you married other kings' daughters to have peace. His peace was already with God. And he, to, in order to have power and keep peace, he started marrying all their daughters so that they would not attack the kingdom and kill their own daughter. What did they bring? They brought their gods to Jerusalem. They brought their gods to his throne. If you love me, build me a temple for Baal. Okay, I love you. Build a temple for Baal. And every other god and every other high place. And that's how we compromise and marry the world instead of standing on the instruction of God. So now Jehoiada, God knows, Jehovah knows exactly what Joash, given by God, needs. And he gives him two wives and he had sons and daughters. Now it happened, verse 4, after this, that Joash set his heart on repairing the house of the Lord. Notice, see, in the other text, all we got was, hey, take the dedicated gifts, the census money, the assessment money, and start repairing those breaches in the temple. Here, we know that because he's serving God, he's listening to Jehoiada, that it became a thing of his heart that he wanted to repair it. It wasn't just something, that, but God put it on his heart to repair the temple. It's been destroyed by, and we're going to see that in a minute. Then he gathered the priests and the Levites and said to them, Go out to the cities of Judah and gather from all Israel money to repair the house of your God. He's trying to bring them back into ownership and relationship with their God from year to year and see that you do it quickly. Notice that. He tells them to do it quickly. Very important. We'll see in a minute. 
However, the Levites did not do it quickly. Unfaithful. Listen, you know that's what God tells us? When he tells you to go out to all the world, be witnesses, go to all nations, go be sanctified, get in the word of God, be led by the spirit. He wants you to do it quickly. You know why? Because we become complacent and lazy and the devil takes over and weeds grow up over what little fruit you got. And then you don't even know you got fruit. And then you begin to, to stop listening to instruction. And all of a sudden you're back over there and go, God was never nothing for me. What you do, do it quickly. Be serious about your salvation. Draw some lines in the sand. If you're going to repair the temple of the Lord, listen, New Testament, it's your heart. It's your mind, will, and emotions. This is, this is where we go astray. Guard your heart. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. Proverbs 4.23. This is what God is after, your heart. This is where he lives. Do you not know that you're the temple of God, the spirit of God dwells in you, whose temple you are? Paul would tell the church in Corinth, listen to me, we got to do it quickly. Do it with wisdom, do it with discernment, do it with knowledge from the word of God, but we need to be serious about it, to walk circumspectly, redeeming the time because the days are evil. So verse 6, the king called Jehoiada, the chief priest, in case you didn't believe me, he was the high priest, and said to him, why have you not required the Levites to bring in from Judah and from Jerusalem the collection according to the commandment of Moses, the servant of the Lord and of the assembly of Israel for the tabernacle of witness? Remember, it's the commandment of Moses. We just read that in Deuteronomy 12. But there's a couple other places in Leviticus and in Numbers that it is repeated in how to do the census, how to do the choice. We might read them next week. Because I'm going to make this a part two because we're running out of time. But just hold on to the fact that you are the temple. The temple is in disrepair. There's a lot of breaches is the word in the King James. I like that word better. It's dilapidated. There's breaches. And we need to repair it. And the only way to repair it is by allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us into all truth. And to make it a sanctuary for the Lord our God. So verse 7, why are they rebuilding it? What is going on? Why is Joash so concerned? Why are they not doing it quickly? Verse 7, for the sons of Athaliah, the wicked woman, had broken into the house of God and had also presented all the dedicated things of the house of the Lord to the Baals. See, Athaliah was uh, Ahab and Jezebel's daughter. And she married into the southern tribe. And how, how insane is that? But that's what the devil does. He joins the church and he takes the sacred things and he puts them into the Baal worship. And he calls everything Christian. He says, that's Christian music and that's a Christian book and that's a Christian magazine and that's a Christian church over there and that person's a Christian and they're nothing more like a Christian than because Christian means Christ-like. Nothing about them is Christian. They're only promoting themselves. They only want you to notice them. They're only trying to make money. They're only trying to fleece the flock. They're not trying to be Christian, and they're not leading to heaven. And all you have to do is read the instruction, and you won't follow them. I'm sorry if I get a little bit excited. Athaliah, that wicked woman. She took all the things that were in the temple when they broke in, her sons, 
and presented them. They, they laid them on the altar of Baal, all the dedicated things of the house of the Lord. And you're going to see that in, in our chapter, 2 Kings chapter 12, that when they begin to repair the house, they don't, they, don't, uh, they don't build those things that were stolen. But later, there's enough money left over where they redo them. But they're not going to do them in this repair because guess what? They're not needed anymore. When we get to heaven, they'll already be there where Christ is seated. Those things aren't there anymore. We're not looking at relics and altars. We're not looking at brazen. We're looking at the truth of what those things represented. We're looking at the truth of what they actually were. They were Christ. We have Christ. We don't need those things to be redone. We're going to see the perfect representation of when we get to heaven. Verse 8. Then, then at the king's command, they made a chest. It's actually the same word for Ark of the Covenant, which is amazing. And set it outside at the gate of the house of the Lord. And they made a proclamation throughout Judah and Jerusalem to bring to the Lord the collection that Moses, the servant of God, had imposed on Israel in the wilderness. Then all the leaders and all the people rejoiced and brought their contributions and put them in the chest until all had given. Now notice this. Listen to me. Listen to me. Because as soon as somebody spoke truth and declared truth and told all the people about truth, the people were happy to follow truth. But if they don't hear, if nobody's proclaiming it, you know, in, in Romans chapter bam, 10, how beautiful are the feet that preach the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And you proclaim it to all the people. Then they're willing to come and give everything to the Lord. But if they're, if they're told to worship Baal, they'll worship Baal. Look when Moses was up on the mountain and Aaron goes, the golden calf just popped out. This is what, here's your God that brought you out of Israel. They all say, okay, and they started worshiping. We are looking for something to worship, but we're supposed to be worshiping in spirit and truth. Spirit leading us into all truth. And the truth is contained in this Bible that God has brought to us. And you want to find some things to pick on, you pick on them. But I'm going to follow the instructions of this word so that I don't stray from life. Because God is life. I want to follow him. And if you start ignoring this, you will follow death and death culture. And right now you need to know this more than anything because death culture is being allowed to continue. See, Athaliah meant restrained by the Lord. God's no longer restraining this spirit. I'm telling you right now, the shelves are going to get emptier and emptier because they put a government over top just of food. The, the, the ports are going to get worse and worse. The entire, and you might say, this is no hope. My hope's in Jesus. My hope is not in a shelf having some bread on it. My hope is in the bread of life. And we might go through some terrible hard times in suffering if he doesn't rapture us out first. Listen to me. It's getting ready to get bad. And the people of God are acting like, I don't wear no mask. I ain't wearing no mask. I ain't doing nothing they say. Listen, you better wake up and start telling people about Jesus. Because that's their only hope. And they're going to die in the midst of this babble. They're going to die in the midst of this confusion. And we're just ignoring them. And you know what? If they say, I don't want to hear that, we just shut up. I'm sorry. 
I'm of a different spirit. And that's what we're going to talk about on Sunday. Test the spirits. Everybody that was persecuted and killed for God in the Bible were talking to people who did not want to hear it. They weren't talking to a receptive audience. They were telling people in their face that they were going to die and go to hell. Who wants to hear that? Who wants to hear your ladders against the wrong wall? Who wants to hear you're serving false gods? And then especially when the spirit of Antichrist is propelling it. It's an ugly world out there. This is not our home. We're not citizens here. We're pilgrims here. We're mere passerbyers. We're aliens. And our heart and our desires should not be for this down here. We should not be worshiping at the high places. So he puts a chest. That's why we bore a hole in a chest and put it back there on the that's why we're that's this verse is well over here in 12 is where that comes from. 2 Kings 12. That right there. I think it was interesting. I'm just a numbers guy, right? Deuteronomy 12, which told us about this, and then 2 Kings 12, and then now you add them both together and you get 2 Chronicles 24, which has given us more information about that. I'm just weird like that. Don't take nothing from it. It's just my brain. It's analytical. It looks at things. It sees things. Maybe I shouldn't see things. But here we go. Verse 9. Verse 10. We made a proclamation in verse 9. Verse 10, they all rejoiced and they gave. Verse 11, so it was at that time when the chest was brought to the king's officials by the hand of the Levites, and when they saw that there was much money, that the king's scribe and the high priest officers came and emptied the chest, and they took it and returned it to its place. Thus they did day by day and gathered money in abundance. You know, I just want to say that um, I almost never teach on anything about giving. I've come to believe that tithing is not a thing of the New Testament. Giving and offerings is. Giving everything of your life to the place where God called you to worship at is what I believe you should do in the New Testament. Uh, and if you want to tithe, you can go under the tithe. It will make me feel real happy because in the Old Testament, they gave about 23% of all of their annual income in a tithe, not 10 but 23%, I'd love for you to give me 23% of your check, but I'm not concerned about it because where God guides, he provides. We don't talk about money here. I'm talking about it now because it's in the text. We don't talk about it here because I've never seen God's people forsaken or the righteous out begging bread. And I'm not going to beg bread, but I hear it every day on the radio. I hear it every day on TV. I hear it in all kinds of ministries. This ministry cannot survive without your giving. And I'm just like, what in the world? is going on in Christendom. And you know what? People will get mad if they hear me say that. But what in the world is going on? It's about souls, not about buildings, not about large ministries. It's not about money. God's, God's ministry is reconciliation of souls. And if we go out and tell the truth with the Spirit of God, we don't need a building. We don't need a bunch of people running around yelling about what money. What we need is people talking about Jesus. If he's lifted up, he'll draw all men to himself. So they gave 23% of their money, plus they had dedicated gifts that they had to give, plus they had all these offerings they had to give. And you guys always say, oh, man, I'm glad I'm not under the law. You ought to be glad because if you've seen all the offerings that they had to make in order to be right with God, if you've seen how much they had to give, God's not broke. Listen, God has never been broke. 
and his desire is for souls to come to repentance, not for your wallet to come to the church. He's not concerned about that. And if you have a problem with tithing, don't tithe. Don't offer. Don't give. But it's going to mess up your worship real bad if you don't give to the work of God. Not here. Your life. That's what's got to be given, your life. And if you give your life, you won't have any problem using your resources to minister so that souls can be saved. I'm just telling you. I don't know. You work it out with God. But uh, if you do it the way that apostate churches is telling you to do it, or the way apostasy tells you to do it in the spirit of Antichrist, you're going to end up apostate. Where are we at? Then King Jehoiada, verse 12, gave it to those who did the work of the service of the house of the Lord, and they hired masons, carpenters, to repair the house of the Lord, and those who worked on irons and bronze restored the house of the Lord. So the workmen labored, and the work was completed by them. Uh, they restored the house of God to its original condition and reinforced it. Isn't that what we want? When we see him, we're going to be like him? To the original condition of being created in the image of God. That's what we want with our houses, our spiritual houses. It's done positionally. Now we're working on it practically. When we see him, we'll get a new body. It will be perfectly done. Fully glorified. Excuse me. Fourteen. When they had finished, they brought the rest of the money before the king and Jehoiada, king and the high priest. They made from it articles for the house of the Lord, articles of serving and offering, spoons of vessels and gold and silver. And they offered burnt offerings in the house of the Lord continually all the days of Jehoiada. All the days that the high priest is on the throne and given instruction to Joash, he did the right thing. As soon as the high priest is off the throne, next verse. But Jehoiada grew old and full of days, the ancient of days, and he died. He was 130 years old when he died, and they buried him in the city of David among the kings. Really? Because he, he represents a king. Uh, because he had done good in Israel, those governed by God, both toward God and his house. Now, after the death of Jehoiada, Jehovah knows that's what it means, the leaders of Judah came and bowed down to the king. And the king listened to them. Oh, does it say here? Second Chronicles 24, 17. Does it say he heard them in the King James? 24, 17. Okay. Oh, oh, so he, he, he bowed down to them instead of them bowing down to him. He bowed down to what the people wanted once again, the high places. See, the high places were removed because of this repair. You would think, in a sense, because of the repairs of the temple. Therefore, they left the house of the Lord God of their fathers. This is what happened when he listened to the people instead of, instead of listening to the high priest. They left the house of the Lord God of their fathers and served wooden images and idols. And the wrath of God came upon Judah and Jerusalem because of their trespass. Yet he sent prophets to them. God sends them prophets. And to bring them back to the Lord. And they testified against them. But they would not listen. So listen. You can have people tell the truth. And people don't have to listen. Happened all the time in the Bible. Then the Spirit of God came upon Zechariah. 
the son of Jehoiada, the priest, who stood above the people and said to them, Thus says God, why do you transgress the commandments of the Lord? Commandments means the prescriptions of God. So that you cannot prosper because you have forsaken the Lord. He also has forsaken you. Notice they forsook him first. Because he said, I will not forsake you. But if you forsake him, now he'll confirm your heart. So they conspired against him, against Zechariah, and at the command of the king, Josiah, look, or Joash, look at this. Joash commands them, and they stone Zechariah with stones in the court of the house of the Lord. In the house of the Lord, the court where they rebuilt all of this, where they returned to. In apostasy, they killed the prophet of God, Zechariah, the priest of God, I should say. Wow. Thus Joash the king did not remember the kindness which Jehoiada his father had done to him, but killed his son, and he died. He said, the Lord look on it and repay. Now that's a picture. I know you know that. You guys seen that, didn't you? God sends a son to die for us, and they kill him outside the temple, outside the city, and he dies. But we know that's not the end of the story. He gets up again. Okay, let's close. It's getting late. I know. I could sit here and do this all night long. This would be fun. Uh, 2 Kings chapter 12, verse 6. And we'll close. Now it was so, by the 23rd year of King Joash, no, it's, jo- it's the same word still, means the same thing, spelled differently, that the priest had not repaired the damages of the temple. Now notice, if he was seven when he became king, in the 23rd year, how old is he? He's 30 years old now, the same age that Jesus came to become a priest. Same age you had to be to be a Levitical priest. So King Joash called Jehoiada the priest and the other priest and said to them, why have you not repaired the damages of the temple? Now, therefore, do not take more money from your associates, your constituency, but deliver it for the repairing of the damages of the temple. Quit chasing money. And the priest agreed that they would neither receive more money from the people nor repair the damages of the temple. Isn't that interesting? So now it's going to become the king's job to have it done. Now the king's taking it over, not the work of their hands, not the work of their money, not the work of their offerings, but the king. King Jesus is going to repair the temple. And you have to listen to his instructions that come from the Holy Spirit that leads you, it guides you, it teaches you, baptizes you into the body of Christ, seals you till the day of redemption, and it leads you. He says, listen to me, 123 of Proverbs, turn at my rebuke, I will pour out my spirit upon you, I will make my words known to you. And this is when they bore the hole. Jehoiada, the priest, took the chest, bore the hole in its lid. Now, I just want you to know that I see Christ in the hole in that lid. Because it's the same chest that's the Ark of the Covenant. I'm just telling you, I don't know how it works. It's there somewhere. There's a hole in his hand. There's a hole in his side. There's a hole in his feet. He set it behind the altar at the right side 
as one comes into the house of the Lord. Isn't that where he's seated at the right hand of power to the Father? And the priest who kept the door put there all the money and brought it into the house of the Lord. So it was whenever they saw that there was so much money in the chest that the king's scribe and the high priest came up and put it in bags and counted the money that was found in the house of the Lord. Then they gave the money which had been apportioned into the hands of those who did the work, who had the oversight of the house of the Lord, and paid it out to the carpenters and the builders who worked in the house of the Lord, and to masons and stonecutters, and for buying timber and hewn stone to repair the damage of the house of the Lord, and for all that was paid out to repair the temple. Listen, God will provide for all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He knows what it takes to repair your temple. He knows the damage that's been on going on in your heart. He knows the things you believed and you disbelieved, the places you've gone, the desires you have. He knows how to repair them and perfect your temple. Trust him. However, there was not made for the house of the Lord basins of silver, trimmers, sprinkling bowls, trumpets, and articles of gold or articles of silver for the money brought into the house of the Lord. But they gave that to the workmen and they repaired the house of the Lord with it. Moreover, they did not require an account from the men into whose hand they delivered the money to be to pay, be paid to the workmen, for they dealt faithfully. Who are they? Gifted artisans by the Holy Spirit. That's where you get faithfulness at. The priest, they were unfaithful. Remember before? The king takes it over and the only way to be faithful is it's a fruit of the Spirit. Faithfulness. Faithfulness. That's the only way for it to happen. You don't have to call the Holy Spirit into account. You just listen to him. You just believe him. He's faithful. He'll do the work in your temple. It'll be taken care of and you'll have everything you need. 16. We'll close. The money from the trespass offerings and the money from the sin offerings was not brought into the house of the Lord. It belonged to the priest. The work of man's hands. We'll talk about that next week probably when we open. And then we'll move on to war again. Uh, because that's what happens. Anytime you try to do reforms and you try to get your life right, you're instantly going to be met with an attack. But God has already prepared you for it. You stay listening to the instruction. You stay in the word, prayer, and fellowship. You confess your sin. You already know you're on a solid foundation. You already know that he loves you. You already know that you're covered in the blood. You already know you're moving in the right direction. Don't believe the lie and go, well, maybe I'm not, not me. Maybe he's mad at me. Maybe No, he's perfecting you. He allows these things so that you'll cry out to him and learn to trust in him and change your desires to his desires. His ways are supposed to be our ways if we allow the Spirit to lead us. Father, pour out your Spirit upon us and a lot of content, Lord, a lot of amazing testimony from your Word for us to glean from. Help us to chew on it, to digest it, to glean from it, to go out and obey it, to allow you to do the work in our temples for your glory for such a time as this, Lord. Thank you that you're faithful to complete the work you started in us till the day of Christ Jesus, as your word says in Philippians 1.9. We bless your name. We want to worship you, Lord. Tear down the high places and help us to draw near to you for your glory for such a time as this. In Jesus' name, amen.